This is an FOU Studios podcast. All right, welcome travelers to GXP, the Geek Experience Podcast. It's time to level up today. We have a great show today, and I'm really excited. Of With us today, we have the soup man, Stephen Campbell. Hello. And we have Huffle Cookie. Hey. Anna's our co-host today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, no problem. Glad she, to be here. If you didn't listen before, she did uh, episode two, The North Remembers How to Dress, and it was fantastic. Oh, thanks. Our guest today is, um, is a, very, a really good friend of mine. I'm really excited to have her here. She's a Bachelor's of Applied Psychology from NYU. She's a licensed, uh, she has a licensed Master's of Social Work, and she studied at Hunter College, and she's training as a dance and movement therapist from the Pratt Institute. Ladies and gentlemen, Akriti Malhotra. Hi. Welcome to the show, Akriti. Hey, Akriti. So happy to be here. Good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I have been playing Legend of Zelda since I was a child in elementary school. I love it. A friend of mine, he would play. He's no longer a friend. We are... Hashtag enemies, but um, he would play and I would watch him and I was like, oh, I want to play this. But then I would get terrified about all these boss battles and stuff. So I'd just be like, okay, I'm just going to do the fun exploring part, like the riding the horse. And then you can just do all the hard stuff. And I'm just going <laughs> to sit back and enjoy this game. I'm, I'm now very curious as to how this became an enemy. Is it like he like intentionally lost something or is there something more sinister there? Did he, did he turn out to be a traveler from the Yiga clan? <laughs> no, he's just kind of a jerk. So Great, we'll cool. stick with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I had a Game Boy Advance. I would play, I like asked for Legend of Zelda because that was all I was really familiar with. So Great. Oracle of Seasons, Oracle of Ages, mm-hmm. Link to the Past, Minish Cap, mm-hmm. all favorite games. Mm-hmm. And I played Ocarina of Time multiple times. I, I think actually I got revenge on him by stealing Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time from him for my N64. Good person. You get it, girl. Get You're it, girl. Good person <laughs> no regrets. Um, played Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, mm-hmm. just continued. In high school, I think I completed my first online shopping purchase. I um, tracked down a copy that a CD that had all of the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time sounds from it. Even had sound effects. Ooh. It even has like the da na 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 like from oh. opening a chest. I still have it on what? my iTunes. Wait, do, does it have like does it did it literally have like the Goron groans? Like unfortunately have that oh, type of sound. But it was like seventy two tracks from the game and on the flute, I played flute in middle school. I learned how to play Lost Woods because I loved it so much. <laughs> oh my god. Like I just became really obsessed with the music and and it just yeah. has continued to now. How does that go? Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's really, it's it's one of the more iconic <laughs> Legend of Zelda pieces. Apart from like the major yeah. fanfare, most people know that mm. that, that tune. Um, sure. Yeah, well, we've started doing it. So I think it's safe to say that we are geeking out. <laughs> All right. So um, as a social worker, the reason we wanted to talk a little bit about Legend of Zelda and just from your, through your lens, just mm. Legend of Zelda in general. So um, you, you've played every single game, it sounds like. I have not played every single game. I think I probably, I was counting earlier, I think I played about 10 of the games. 8 to 10 of the games. <laughs> well, um, you know, <laughs> nobody's perfect, I guess. <laughs> um, I definitely have dreams of doing them in like the chronological order and in the order that they were released in. Those are oh, oh, yeah. hashtag goals. But um, yeah, I can't wait to do that. 
That um, actually that brings up a very interesting point. And what do you consider chronological order? Uh, I know that there's like a little bit of debate about timeline. Um, I know that the Nintendo's released like an official timeline yeah. now, but uh, not strictly canon amongst the fans. So some of them, yeah. I mean, I generally take it to be. I I, I think the Nintendo version. I would agree with it in general. Um, I do feel like, though, the fact that Ocarina of Time, it splits into three different timelines mm-hmm. with the, like, Hero Defeated, the Child Era, and then the Adult Era. But I'm kind of like, if you could argue that you, anytime there's a game over, there's a new timeline, then I feel like that, like, leads oh, to, like, fuck. crazy possibilities of all the games and gets way <laughs> too complicated. I'm so, I, I just had a mind-blown moment of, like, Legend of Zelda, uh, Link climbing up a mountain <laughs> and then suddenly falling and dying, and, like, that's how the hero's journey ends for that dimension. <laughs> screwed <laughs> <laughs> like gliding i can make this ledge i can make this ledge. no i can't make this ledge. no and that's how the hero's story ends and it like flashbacks to when you were cooking You're like if you'd only cook some stamina <laughs> stuff you would have been fine we would have had a hero no <laughs> if you wanted to do it how long do you think it would take like in, oh, gosh. In, if you wanted to start at the beginning and like playing you... hours or like my like life <laughs> sure like over the course <laughs> of like I think it would take me probably like two years two years guess. yeah and besides like you have to track down the games you have to play through the games sure you have like the rest of your life to live like I think it would take about that <laughs> there's, long there's now nothing I want more than for Akriti to do this and blog it and be like this <laughs> is yeah this is, I think amazing. I think we just had a great idea happen yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that'd be amazing I, um, but I'm you, in full support of this but you would also need to make sure like like some of them, it's it was like system exclusive. Like it, not all of them have ROMs for different uh, systems. So like some sure. of it would be really hard to track down. I did see a Super Nintendo at a thrift shop on my way from work, and I'm like, I might go back and buy those. This might be a thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Must do that. Yes. But in regards to the timeline, I do think that. I think the timeline I'm probably most familiar with would be the Majora's Mask Twilight Princess one. Yeah, I feel like that, yeah, yeah, And then yeah. I think it's some really iconic, really dark games that are really cool to have as a version compared to, like, the Wind Waker and, like, Phantom Spirit or Phantom Hourglass and Spirit oh my Tracks, gosh. which are all, like, really toony. Oh, yeah. I honestly, the one game I have not played is Wind Waker. That is I awesome. loved Wind Waker. Uh, when, like, that was uh, the GameCube was the first like video game system I ever actually uh, apart mm. from the the, the the Game Boy Color mm. it was the first like console I ever owned and Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and Luigi's Mansion and Pikmin were like the three games that I had for it and uh, it's Legend of Zelda Wind Waker has such a special place in my heart I, it's not my favorite but it's still like I, I just love that art style so much for Legend I don't know why but it just seems to work and uh, since that art style was kind of like established. They've obviously they've kind of maintained it through a lot of the other games, and even yeah. in like Breath of the Wild, where it's achingly beautiful, mm-hmm. you can still see seeds of that, you know, that the art style cell, there. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say I got a Wii U instead of a Switch, specifically because they have Wind Waker for Wii U. So uh, once I'm true. done with the Breath of the Wild, which might still be another like six months, but <laughs> I'm gonna I will play Wind Waker, and I'm very excited about yeah. that being the next game. Mm-hmm. Well, the boat is just a great little like character and exploration tool you get. Mm. So I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But yeah, King of Dragons, right? Yeah, uh, the King of the Red Sea. Uh, Red yeah. Um, is gonna look it up really quickly. <laughs> she's she's gonna Google. Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the boat from Wind Waker. That's probably the easiest way to look for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. As, speaking of favorite games, actually, what uh, what is your favorite amongst the series? I would say my favorite has to be Ocarina of Time because I've played it so many times. It's a classic. It's the one that introduced me to the series, mm-hmm. and so it's 
always will have a close place to, in my heart. And just the, I, like I said, the music from it, I think is so mm -hmm. iconic and so incredible. I would say, to me, the most underrated games would be Oracle of Seasons and Minish Cap, both for Game Boy Advance. I really enjoyed mm. those games. Oracle of Seasons especially, I thought the, just the way it was systemically, like you could go through and create so many different changes Right, it's a the screen shifting. That's the form of it, right? That's yeah. like gameplay. And like one screen can look four different ways based on the seasons that you get to control. And that's an amazing like um, mechanic as far as gameplay is concerned. Because, I mean, I don't think you could do that in any other way. No, I mean, I I, I, I never played seasons, but I, I had ages, which mm. is like the it was the partner like release right. for it. And but yeah, it was the same thing. You went between like old and modern times, yeah. and like it was so cool to because sometimes you would adventure and you're like, well, that's that looks like it's falling apart. Maybe, and I'm like, yeah, as you would retro, oh, it was, yeah. I loved how they used it because it was the same style as uh, Link to the Past mm, as yeah, you yeah. as you like traveled through and did that kind of stuff. Yeah, kind of the overhead. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, like Pokemon style. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, yeah. but also like you had, you have your, like Pokemon followed you wherever you went. This one, it was, right, it was yeah. the same, like you had your uh, screen and you would travel to a new screen. Yeah, right. I just oh I that was that was the first Legend of Zelda game I played. Really, the Oracle of, Oracle Ages. of Ages. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So Chrissy, oh, uh, you have our information. I do have your information, which brings me to a question. Um, it was called the King of Red Lions. King of Red Lions, Lions. dragons, and Lions. it is a talking boat. Yes. yes, yes, right. Which takes us to um, we were talking about this earlier. But uh, Zelda's been around since, what, 1986? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and it was, I was reading up on it, that he doesn't talk, right? Am I, mm -hmm. educate me on this. He doesn't yeah. talk, he grunts. And so, yeah. it, so, <laughs> <laughs> so then you are forced to be Zelda. No, not Zelda, I'm sorry, Link. I'm sorry. Oh my okay. gosh, I'm so embarrassed. It's okay, I'm so it's okay, it's okay. Okay, so you're Link. Cardinal Sin, you're, you're done. <laughs> it's like the one, Get out. It's like okay. the one thing. Get out of here. I told Peter, I was like, there's one thing I know about Zelda. The dude isn't named Zelda. Like, it's Princess, Princess Zelda. Zordlow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what was that, Jeopardy? Oh no, yeah, it was Jeopardy that did that. Yeah, yeah it's so funny. Kang. Thank you, Kang. But anyway, um, sorry. and I just learned that he doesn't speak. So you, as the player, get to come up with what he says. And so what I think is interesting about that is, in Ocarina, you can chime in on this from a you know a social work and a childlike imagination. Mm. How do you think that has built your imagination? Do you think oh, that has added to it? I definitely think so. I feel like if you can have a voice in the game itself, like versus having scripted dialogue that you get to choose from. Um, like we were saying earlier, it really changes how much you're able to be represented and involved in the game. And I know one thing that um, I was reading about earlier was how, interestingly, Legend of Zelda, they tend to not focus on the backstory or building a backstory like a lot of other games do. It's more about, and that's like connecting through the player with the character through empathy with like, oh, this is the stuff that went wrong with them and this is their backstory. This is why I want to connect with them with Link and with you is that you guys are together forming the experiences that Link, that changes Link into the hero that he is, right? You are going through the hardships, you're going through the battles, you're ex displaying your just, the only really remarkable thing of courage. You're just displaying your courage over and over again. And thus you get to be that person who has this courage and has these experiences. So I think that way you can connect more with the with Link as a character and put yourself in the game because there's not necessarily his own dialogue that you can be like, I wouldn't say that at this point because there's nothing to disagree with. 
Yeah. Wow, it's it was, fascinating. Yeah, it, it's, it yeah. was almost like a, a super early way to be able to do uh, what a lot of modern video games try to do, which is like conversation trees where like you get to choose mm-hmm. what you say and like it helps your character. But like here they can tell the exact same story, but maintaining like my personal ver- version of that journey. It's right. a, that's a really, yeah, it's really cool. That's really, really cool. And being yeah. one of the OG, you know, video games set a precedent then. Mm-hmm. For, oh, for yeah. others to come, you know, yeah. that this is how we're going to play this. This is how you're going to play this game. Right. I mean, like, like historically, they, they pointed Pac-Man as like the first ever protagonist because like mm. it was Pac-Man and he's doing his thing. And like everything else was like, you're in just a spaceship or you're doing this thing. But like mm-hmm. Pac-Man is like the, the original protagonist. And again, he oh, didn't yeah. say anything. And like I think it was, I, I I know that it was an intentional choice, but it's interesting to me that yeah, all these early heroes that we all love so much, like they didn't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Mario doesn't say anything either, right? Not yet. Let's he, go. A little bit. Yeah. He goes. Well, like in the. Yeah, but I I mean in the in the original games, yeah, I don't think Mario really started speaking until 64. But yeah, and even then it was just it was just like sound effects mid-game for right. like jumping and dying. And yeah, all that kind of stuff. yeah, it wasn't like Mario's having conversations with Bowser and stuff. I'm a stop you, Bowser. Look at this, Bowser. You stole my princess for the last time. <laughs> I think it also speaks to like the action orientation of games, right? You're the point is to be doing things. It's not necessarily like maybe we would have tried to reason with Bowser or reason with Ganondorf yeah. instead of, and so like that dialogue option isn't really there. It's not like we can be like, excuse me, let's consider the, uh, the consequences of the actions you're having and make a pros and cons list. Like I might try to do with a client, right? I would yeah. try to reason with somebody. Instead it's like, okay, we need to do something about this. And I think that's one thing, gaming, right? That's the point is that you're, I mean, you're sitting there, but you're doing something in the game and that makes you feel like you can do something in real life too. Yeah. Oh, that you can have action. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if memory serves, it's um, uh, uh, Majora's a Mask. There's there is a lot, like you're doing a lot of stuff, but not all of it is like action combat. Some of it is literally just like talking to people and making sure you like do like do just the small things at the right times. That's a good point. I think Majora's Mask in the Zelda games is a very unique game just with this idea of how you. Mm-hmm. So the way it works, the way it's set up is that you end up in. Um, well, Basically, Link, it's after in the child era, it's after Link has gone back in time and then is stuck in this child era, and Navi leaves him. And um, he's like, where is Navi? He searches for a friend. He ends up in Termina, which is a completely different land. Mm-hmm. Skull Kid turns him into a little Deku sprout. It's a whole thing. But um, the way it works is the moon will land on them in three days. The world's going to be over in three days. And so <laughs> you, get the, you have the Ocarina of Time that was given to you by Princess Zelda before you left, and you learn the Song of Time so you can reverse time back three days over and over and over again and you can slow down time and you can speed up time but you have to do the same stuff over and over again and you have to beat the bosses and everything in this really specific and limited time so it becomes you like exploration of a new world of a new kingdom that you're not familiar with it but has characters that are very similar to the same like their characters in ocarina of time right like you have a version of Talon, Malin, and Ingo. Yeah. But I think it was like Norman, somebody else. Um, I don't remember the names exactly. I'm less familiar with Majora's Mask, but yeah, yeah. I played it once, actually. I want to go back and play it again. Well, as far as um, social implications of Majora's Mask, too, there have been so many interesting uh, dissections of its metaphorical value Mm. um, that Majora's Mask uh, is often heralded as a really interesting metaphor for accepting death. Um, mm. And that, like, the whole game is just a big construct around the stages of grief 
Um, yes. I yeah. About that one. And um, so how I, I suppose this sort of uh, puts us into the conversation of like games as art and mm-hmm. things like that. And so what is, what is your take from from this social perspective on how a game like Majora's Mask, this very unique uh, kind of out there story um, might be able to teach young gamers about, you know, the this weighty stuff that mm. is going on inside of it. I think that's a really interesting concept. I believe, like, if you think about it in most of the other games, right, when you kill something or when something dies, it just, that's that's it. Like, you, you killed it, and then it's done, and you can move forward in your life, basically. And, like, and you get loot from it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, there's a benefit to actually yeah. dying. Um, so you steal from a dead die. man. Yeah. <laughs> oh. like, I mean, yeah, things yeah. drop things, and you're like, oh, oh no, might no, as well no, pick no, this up. They don't need, need it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not going to need that Vulcan <laughs> dragon that bone mace. Um... <laughs> But I think in Majora's Mask, with this idea that you can replay and redo and re-attack actions, I think that's also, though, in video games as a whole, right? If you mess something up, you can try it again. And I think that Mm -hmm. is a super amazing way to practice things. I mean, it reminds me that when I'm, like, overanalyzing all the things that could go wrong, might go wrong, everything like that, in the video game, I'm like, okay, I can just do it and then, like, go back in time and figure it out later. So I think it also helps, um, like I was saying earlier about getting action, but it also helps you deal with that if you didn't process something correctly or you didn't like maybe something really bad happened and you didn't do it the right way quote unquote you life will give you a second chance like that's real life right the things that we encounter every single day the relationships that we struggle with you're gonna find those patterns in some other place that's why therapy is the way it exists like this is a microcosm of the same relationships that in patterns you're gonna enact in every other relationship in your life so I think in, like, if you think about it in Majora's Mask, right, you see these relationships between people because the character arcs and um, a lot of the quests, like you're saying, are more like give this letter to this person or give this letter to this person or choose not to give the letter. And then the love story might end up not working out or working out. So you can try it as many times as you want and start practicing those patterns over and over again. And that kind of helps you get ownership over things. Like when kids have traumatic events, one thing that happens in play is that they keep repeating those events over and over because they're trying to master them and trying to come to terms with them. So in the similar way, if you look at Majora's Mask, you can think of it that way. Like you're trying, or in most video games, you're trying to master something because that way then you can move on from it. You've understood it. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I never looked at it that way before, but that is like, that's amazing. Right? That, that is... I was just trying to have fun. (laughs) What a tool. What a tool to to be able to be used then. It really is. And I mean, um, even when recently when I've been doing the work with the clients I do, one thing I would love to say is like we are allowed to use strange resources. And I'm like, I would love to play Breath of the Wild with some of the uh, clients I work with because I think Breath of the Wild, the way you approach that game says so much about who you are, right? There's so many ways you can approach tackle any of the problems. And it's been amazing rewatching other people playing because I'm like, I didn't think I could tackle that problem that way. That's not the way I would have done. Like, you know, um, when you have the like the really heavy doors that are covering chests or something. Yeah. And what you can do is I usually stasis them, hit them a ton of times and they fly off in the distance and get my treasure. You can just attach an octoballoon or a few of those and it'll just float away. And I was like, I never thought of that as a way you could handle a situation. Or even uh, changing puzzles and like all of that. How you approach yeah. the game. Do you go directly and try to attack Ganon? Do you go through the quest itself? Or do you like meander around and just try to like kind of figure things out? Yeah. So, wow. That, yeah. yeah. It says more about how a person will tackle a problem or well, tackle an idea. I mean, here, I mean, while we're talking about it, let's talk about how I commonly go forward and tackle problems in Legend of Zelda. 
um, when, yeah. uh, Breath of the Wild. I love my horse. However, I also know that I can just get it at any stable again. Mm. So if I'm adventuring <laughs> and I need to get off my horse, I abandon that horse. I leave it where it is and I will walk like I will climb up a mountain and like eat all of my food to get to the top of this mountain and keep adventuring. I will fly away and I'll look at my map and they're like, you know, all the way in the Gerudo <laughs> Desert and I'll just teleport away to nearby a stable and just have the stable people pick it up again because I know I can do that to my horse. It's a really funny comic of like the stable guy being like really pissed off at all of us. Like, <laughs> like why would you leave your horse here? He has to travel to like the top of Death Mountain or the middle yeah. of the desert trying to get this horse for us. <laughs> Should not have included this retrieval service and our terms and conditions. Well, like one of the things I, that makes me laugh is like, um, I went to, I can't remember what it is, but it's one of the mountains where you have to like cleanse the dragon of the, uh-huh, the Ganon blight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and like I was like climbing and running and doing all this stuff and then there's like a path that I could just pull up yeah. and I was like oh I could have I could have hopped on Nessie and just rode up this mountain with her but instead <laughs> I just went straight forward without asking questions I'm more of like that approach too like if I see something I'm like I want to climb that I'm going to do that I yeah. ignored the path like and then I would go back on the path and I'd be like oh I missed this stuff because I didn't actually do this right right yeah <laughs> Uh, uh, again, it's it's more. Uh, it says more about the people playing the game than, yeah. the, than yeah. the game itself. It really does. I think it says a lot about the horse. <laughs> <laughs> true. Those horses are brave motherfuckers, though. They like, are. I also actually never really used the horse because I got so annoyed. I had to oh. get off to get all these items. I'm like, I'd rather uh. just run. Like, it's going to take longer, but I'm okay with that. And I get to have more control over exploration. Exploration. Mm, yeah. So maybe that that was, no, that says something about me. Maybe I want to be in control more than I want to get someplace more quickly. That, there yeah, you go. You're, you're okay mm. to take your time. You'd rather yeah. take your time than, yeah. yeah. And feel like I thoroughly know exactly what's around me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, um, I, there's, there's all like, I, I'm still amazed at how much like detail is in uh, th- this game. Like, it, it like Skyrim is obviously the best parallel to draw mm. to Breath of the Wild because they're both open world fantasy based games where it's the kind of thing where you can just walk and get to where you need to go, but you're gonna run into like five things along the way that you're gonna like sidetrack you. Um, <laughs> and there is this there's a, a shrine quest that I haven't finished yet, and like the the um, the bird with the accordion was like Cass. yeah ca- yeah Cassie was like there's a dragon at the mouth of the dragon there's a thing and yeah. I'm, and like, all right, I know exactly where that is. But it's like, you have to give me the horn of I, like a, a some beast I haven't even discovered yet. And like, even in the quest, it's like, so what is this beast? I'm like, I don't know. You're supposed to help me. So, yeah. Oh, I remember that one. That I I don't remember if I looked that one up. I just know that it's like you. it's some every once in a while, there's this moment where it's like, this game is bigger than I. I I've been playing mm-hmm. it for a long time now. Right. And it still has content I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I remember when I cleared most of the map, like I think all the map, and then I discovered Laureline Village. I'm like, what? This was here this whole time? There's an entire other village I haven't even, I hadn't even discovered. Like, where, it was where, the, where is this village? Laureline Village is the like, seaside village. It's the uh, south oh, end of the map. I keep wanting to go over there, but I don't like have a reason to adventure mm. over there, so like I never end up going down there. So. Do you play Breath of the Wild? I uh, I have not <laughs> much okay. much to my shame. Oh. I've played so many Zelda games, but I haven't gotten to Breath of the Wild yet. Hey, it's um, totally fine. It, yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a true fan anymore. I might no. as well say Link is Zelda or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no, it's um like it took me a long time to play uh, Ocarina of Time. Like they just, mm. they they really re-released it on the 3DS, and that was like the big uh, they because they, it's like they um uh, when Wind Waker came out, they had like this like a. Uh, 
the GameCube like remaster of Ocarina of Time, if yeah. I remember correctly, but it was like this extra hard version. There's master mode. Master mode. Yeah. Okay. It must have been that because there was only one way you could play it on this disc. And mm. I got so frustrated in Jabu Jabu's <laughs> belly. I just stopped playing. Oh, <laughs> oh man. What would you guys say is the hardest temple in Ocarina of Time? Because I do not think it's the water temple, which is generally considered the hardest. I, I don't think the water temple is the hardest. It's definitely long. the most tedious. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very obnoxious. If you're systematic and, with it, I feel like it works. Yeah, it yeah. It's, it's not like terribly difficult to figure out. It's just you... <sighs> the construction of it was very poorly designed. <laughs> whoa, um, hey, whoa, hey, whoa, hey. Whoa. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> my apologies to uh, Nintendo and uh, the game designers yeah, from yeah, a yeah. 20-year-old game. I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I I think that the hardest temple in Ocarina, at least for me personally, is probably the Shadow Temple. I was going to say Shadow Temple. Yeah, there, there's a lot of perilous stuff in there. And yeah. if you're not careful, you're going to die real quick. Yep, <laughs> that is true. It always fascinates me. I'm going to go on a side tangent please, for, for please, two please. seconds on sure. this. It always fascinates me as a, as a grown-up now, but like listening to the three of you talk about these temples, it's so amazing that it doesn't exist but you all are like oh yeah that village is over there yeah you can go over that village and it's so funny being an outsider it's like you're talking about oh yeah that one time when we were in Prague oh yeah I love that church in Prague <laughs> and I'm like they're in a completely different world mm. yeah and it's it's so interesting to me and you can share you're all sharing like oh yeah no no put the balloon on the door I don't know <laughs> I don't know and so like in a social aspect you can almost be transported and make relationships with people. It's like and a shared ever, reality. It's, yes, it's a shared reality. Yeah. That's not reality. It's like a mo- well, always mind blows. Like it's it's incredible to me. Well, mm. yeah. In, in that same vein, um, I've heard that there are some uh, therapists too who, like in high schools and stuff, they'll start to use Dungeons and Dragons as a way to connect to mm. people because they like they break down like what class and what races that they want to use and like how they approach situations and like what skills they want so that they can kind of help unlock like okay, so why are, why do you want to sneak around and steal stuff versus like why do you want to be the fighter who's going to go in head first, you know, swinging a battle axe versus why do you want to be the monk like it's exactly right why do you want this many what what is it uh points like knowledge points right Mm. like why you you can't pick anything up but you have like this infinite knowledge like you want infinite knowledge you're like professor x or something like that (laughs) exactly i love having infinite knowledge goes into the idea that like we like write social roles it's always going to be an idea and the way we approach like we were talking earlier about how you approach Mm -hmm. breath of the wild or any problem really but I think it also speaks to I love and I've always loved the symbolism and the meaning behind things. That's why I love like mm-hmm. like astrology and elements like and I right. like um, I was reading an analysis of Ocarina of Time as like the ch- uh, presence of like Link going from a boy to a man and how like, for example, um, each of the initial three dungeons with the spiritual stones mm-hmm. are all inside a belly of some type of beast or you have to go through a mouth. Or you have to be, or inside of like a day, inside the yeah. day inside the Dodongo, and then the King Dodongo, and then inside the, um, obviously, Jabba Jabba's belly. Right. And so then like thinking about the white whale or like Pinocchio or Moby Dick and like this uh, process of initiation or transformation through that. And then like a phallic object gets pulled from a, like, a, like the master wow. sword gets pulled and then you <laughs> age seven years. And then even talking about how like gorons like they induct him into part of their tribe which is like him being a man and then he immediately goes and makes a rudo princess fall in love with him like if that's anything of like a traditional like 
oh, a scope yeah. or arc of things is really yeah. Because if you think about it, it basically, if you go back, it's just the sword of Avalon, right? Like it's oh, you yeah. go back and it's King yeah. Arthur, and yeah. it's yeah. it's that same cycle of a great protagonist story. Actually, mm-hmm. I I actually did a, a little bit of research because I'm I mean I, I've been working on a design for a, a game for about a year now, um, and one of the things I went into did research on is because I I noticed the similarities between Peter Pan and Tinkerbell and Link mm. and Navi. And oh. I looked into it. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And the, the and color the, schemes and everything. Yeah, the, the color schemes, the outfits, the, the, the warrior fairy relationship. And apparently that was an inspiration for Link, was the relationship of Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. The, really cool. the, the full-size person who's like able to pull a lot of muscle versus the fairy who's like basically giving them the power and the knowledge that they mm. need to be able to accomplish these things. Like it's an interesting relationship and it's one that we've like you, you see a lot of relationships of like the doer and the information giver but like so right. specifically that little fairy like it floating around floating around it, it's such a cool image and like yeah sorry yeah. I also think um one thing I did read was gameplay wise or game mechanics wise they wanted that was like I think that's one of the first games that used Z-targeting. Yes. And so they needed a yes. physical representation of that so that way they can help the player understand what Z-targeting is, how to yeah. use it. So Navi became a really useful term. Also, I read this recently, I was mind blown. Um, Navi is actually, like, they called them, I think, the fairy navigation system, and they called her Navi for short during development, and then they liked that so much they just stuck with oh, it. That's, that's why cool. Navi is Navi, is short for navigation. Hey, listen. But, <laughs> and she, but she was annoying hey, because listen. they she was always, like, trying to help you, and, you know. And which is interesting in terms of Link being silent and her being this talkative, like, <laughs> chatter box and you're like oh my god stop stop like it is kind of it is kind of a funny relationship like you know link doesn't say anything but now he's like oh my god look at the okay no we have to do this look, look, look at the guy over there <laughs> let's do this let's do this let's do this yeah yeah mm, no but yeah seriously it's i i love the, like yeah again we it's i love when you can see inspirations from so many different corners all hitting the same thing it's um mm. I know that I it's in Breath of the Wild. I, I can't remember if the the look of this uh, thing, but you know those um, I can't think of what they're called, but the ones that like are running on air and they like like little oh, water. Oh, the Wizzle or something. Yeah, they're wizard. The wizard yeah, guys. Yeah, the, right? the wizard yeah. guys. Yeah. When you like, I saw the design for them, and immediately I went to Final Fan, the original Final Fantasy games with like the the wizards with the big pointy hats. Like mm. they had only had glowing eyes and just like a really pointy hat and robes. Yeah, yeah. And they look really similar to the the Wiz whatever uh, the Wizfo or whatever there <laughs> and it's like that's a very obvious like world design like uh, well, illusion it's an illusion but like like the pointy headed wizard is something that exists in both western and eastern influence mm-hmm. so it's just a very it's a very interesting thing to to see pervade our like pervade the the fantasy culture I also think um, I recently got Art and Artifacts, which is like there's Hyrule Historia, which came out in mm-hmm. 2016. Yeah, yeah. Chronology and all, which I love. And then I recently got Art and Artifacts, which is just images and artwork from every one of the games. Oh, and wow. I've been like loving going through it. And one thing is I've noticed is some of the like ideas that come through. The first game had Lynels. The first Legend of Zelda game had Lynels, but it was on like in like little pixel bites. So then you have now this game, how Lynels look and how they're represented. Yeah. And, so, and like Bacoblins and Stalfos that, or Lizalfos, mm-hmm. like all are 
creatures that if you've played any of the games you're very familiar with mm-hmm. also in um skyward sword i don't know if you've played yes yeah yeah, yeah um you remember the like spirit realms or the where you had to get the tears and yeah thing which is a really stressful experience in my opinion with this guard and but they're called guardians yeah the east the sky and the earth guardians and i was like that's crazy oh that God, that same right. language is used in in um yeah. breath of the wild so i think it's really interesting how they've also recycled things and their connections there mm-hmm. but um um, I was reading apparently in an interview timeline wise Breath of the Wild takes place apparently like 10,000 years in the future or like like a thousand years in the future where all the other timeline games that we're familiar with are just legends and yeah. myths. I think that's why you can huh. find in the expansion pack like Majora's Mask you can find um, the champ- like uh, different things right. from each of the games um, Wind Waker I think you can find a shirt um, I don't remember mm. some of the others that's right now cool. but, well I mean yeah. I mean just the I mean the magic tech that you end up using with um, the, the Sheikah Slate I mean yeah Wait, I, Wait my, my brain just did a the my brain just did a thing. Um, uh, uh, Legend of Zelda, um, uh, she becomes Sheik. Yeah, in Ocarina of Time. In Ocarina of Time, I just realized that they call it a Sheikah slate, and I didn't. Yeah, I'm, I have no idea. If, like, obviously, in, there's got to be intention behind that. Like, yeah, the the Sheikah are are a people. That's r- okay. Yeah, yes, in, that's right. in ninjas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, like, my brain was everybody. like, I know, I know, they're this thing. Why isn't that working? <laughs> okay, uh, yes. okay, the click just happened. Thank you. <laughs> I was ready to Google for you. <laughs> Thank you much. <laughs> no problem. Okay, there we go. But yeah, I think um, that was also an interesting transformation, right, for Zelda to become chic, like mm-hmm. as yeah. a concept of like this ultra feminine like princess to go mm-hmm. into this like warrior, like Sheikah ninja, basically. Mm-hmm. And then also is a very vocal part, like also has a lot of dialogue compared to Link's Silence, which I think yeah. also is an interesting relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, can you educate me on something, guys? Question yeah. for you. The answer. Is it... I is Legends of Zelda is it a constant solo hero storyline that you're following or does it follow that same like Harry Potter of Harry's fighting this individual battle but Neville Longbottom's fighting the war you know one of those like like Luke Skywalker is fighting his individual battle but Leia is fighting the war it's mostly, I think, in the games themselves, it's mostly been shown as just Link doing his own thing. I think Zelda's probably doing stuff, and that's yeah. something I would love to see more I of. I was just going to say, That'd is that something you would want to see then? Like, do, how do you think that well, would be received by Zelda fans? The, the, I mean, there's um, uh, the uh, the Dynasty Warriors Legend Hyrule of Zelda. Warriors. Hyrule yeah, Hyrule Warriors. Yeah. Warriors yeah. That makes me think that like there's room for that kind of thing. I sure. know that all of the games are with the Link, you have to kill Ganon. Like right. everything is Link, you have to do this um, as like the that's the big battle. Right. But you are the chosen one. <laughs> but, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, we don't really. Yeah, we don't really see like uh, you know. I guess but the four champions uh, in uh, in Breath of the wild is kind of like this example of like there were other people mm. fighting this war with him he's he's like he is the one that has to seal away the darkness but there are other people who are like you know fighting their own battle I, yeah i think that's a great point because in the um this is one of the first get boss battles that i think of other people helping except outside of zelda yeah right zelda's always helped with like the like um light arrows and yeah. all that stuff but actually like um, when you go and attack Ganon, if you've done all the Divine Beasts, they kill half of his health in one of the rounds because of the laser pointers. The yeah. laser pointers, no. The lasers they have pointed <laughs> The laser pointers. pointers. Um, He's just a big kitty. <laughs> um, so I guess it's the first time you've actually seen damage done by somebody other than Link or Zelda to Ganon yeah. in a game, which is interesting. Wow. It is interesting. Okay. But one thing I was mentioning, I was thinking about earlier, was that um, 
you know, there's been discussion of like making Link gender neutral or making mm. Link a girl or making yeah. Link not a blonde haired white guy <laughs> with blue eyes, you know? Right. So um, clearly his character right now. But I think personally, if you look from the first game, this idea that there's. Um, like there's a saga, right? It's the blood of the hero always has to come and rise against the evil that's coming. And yes. the blood of Helia, the reincarnated, she will also rise against him. I think the blood of the hero can show up. I mean, it's blood. It can show up in anybody. It could show sure. up if Link like, had a, a Gerudo kid like, and she wanted to go <laughs> battle. I think that would be an amazing twist. And I think I, as a fan, would love to see that representation look a different way. And I don't mm-hmm. think it would be outside of the lore. Like, no. in terms of staying true to the integrity. Yeah. The Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that um, Skyward Sword, obviously, it, Skyward Sword, there's a very complex, like, interwoven mythology to The Legend of Zelda. Obviously, it's, it's such an old series, and they've had so many games. Um, <clears throat> they did something interesting in Skyward Sword in that you find out, like, partway through the game that it's set, like, kind of as, like, the first adventure. Yeah. Um. And so it, it it sort of sets up the whole mythology of the whole series. And they do this thing where um, the reason that, like, in so many of the games, Link is facing Ganon or Ganondorf is that um, they are each reincarnations of this, like, hero cycle that uh, goes wow. throughout mm-hmm. all of the timelines and all of the time um, that, that brings this back. So I, I, I think your idea of that, because it like this whole mythological uh, construct is available to you. There is no reason why uh, the hero has to look the same every time or like the spirit of Ganon, that evil darkness, whatever from Skyward Sword has to look like him every time, you know? Um, And yeah, maybe since they're already toying with the, uh, the proud tradition of the Zelda games and now they've, mm. it's open world. And yeah. like, obviously you have the root of everything is still remaining the same. But right. uh, I think that there's a lot more room now for exploration, especially since that precedent has been severed a little bit. Yeah. I also think that it, it just provides more gameplay intrigue. If like, yeah, I, I'm not suddenly just Link, the, sh- the sword and shield warrior. It's a very, right. tr- it's a very traditional feel to a game, but like, what happens if yeah if it is a Gerudo warrior they have a completely different fighting style mm-hmm. what happens if it, it like weird like a Goron like that's gonna be again another completely different play what if it is I mean weirdly enough what if like a Yiga clan member rises as the hero like so cool. there are so many different routes you can take with it but like I know that there's it, it's the, it's the same reason that like we we like Luke Luke Skywalker and Harry Potter and all of them it's the the this it is the the good hero it's uncomplicated you're the chosen one let's do this exactly right versus you know trying to like when you do complicate things how does that ha- like it, it makes for really interesting awesome stories right but n- I know that Nintendo like this is now getting like really uh, outside of the game is more to corporate they're they're so good with their like specific branding for all of their mm. games mm-hmm. it almost feels like a risk they're not going to take because it is like Link is he is courage he is bravery he is purity he is the hero of time right so I don't know like I again I would love to see that 
I just don't like it's not something I don't know if that like, do. they'll ever they'll do. Ever I think do on it, yeah. Majora's Mask is also interesting though because speaking of it earlier, you can play you because of the mask, you can play as a Deku, as a Goron, yeah. or as a Zora. Yeah. And you have your like I always thought there was opening because Deku Link always looks so sad. Yeah. And Goron yeah. Link is just like, I'm gonna play the drums, and then Zora Link is like, I'm the coolest badass, like with that like, yeah. like, <laughs> guitar and all. I was just like, why are they so three different personas when they're all Link, like just yeah. in different and I think that speaks maybe to the races as their own like specific um, values that I think you see. Yeah. And I think um, you were mentioning like or I was gonna ask like what would you want to be if you had to be one of the races? I would love to be a Gerudo personally. Oh yeah, that's really mm. that. I don't know. Like I, normally I identify with like the the rocky splitty kind of things, mm. like like the uh, Goron. But I don't know. I feel like I am just a Hillian. That's fair. Yeah. I um. I, I've actually never given this any thought. Like, if I had to be a Zelda race, what would I be? Um, but in first thinking of it, I my first instinct is I want to be a Pona. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know why. It's, yeah, yeah. I just like you, you have all these fantastical creatures, the Zora and like all the like the mermaids and all these crazy things, and it's like I want to be a horse. So you want to be abandoned by your player wherever they want. Hey, uh, Never abandoned. I know <laughs> that they're coming back for me. Do, do the horses always know though? Like at some point they probably do they? Are yeah. they do. You know what? I he do. is purity. He is courage. <laughs> <laughs> he will never abandon me. <laughs> and you just stand there for days on end. He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to abandon me. And then suddenly the horse trainer, he abandoned you. Come on, let's go. <laughs> on. He got um, a new horse. Yeah. Can you get new horses? You can get new horses. Can, can of course yeah. you can. You have to catch them, though. Like You have yeah. to like stalk them and then jump on them and tame so them. Have you gotten the big horse? No. <laughs> There's a big horse. It's really cool. I have to find that white horse that somebody told me to uh, find. Yeah. You need a fair amount of stamina. I will warn you. Okay. So, well, so is, Are you talking about horses? In Legends of Zelda, are you talking about Tinder? Because that's what <laughs> I, I got to find this horse. I'll abandon that horse. I'll go find another horse. Well, Wait, I don't know about horses on Tinder. I don't know if there are any horses on Tinder. No. Or if this is just, I don't know, horse uh, Tinder? Horse Tinder. <laughs> no, I, think I, I, just... I don't think it could work. A relationship with a horse is always very stable. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> no, actually, now that no, I, I, I was thinking about while, while Steve was answering, actually, the bird, uh, they're, they're, are they the Rito? No, are they the Rito people? Yeah, I guess. Because it's yeah. Rito Village. Rito Village, yeah. yeah. They're Rito. Yeah, that's, so yeah. That's their species. Yeah. I would want to be one of those bird people. The bird people. The bird, bird people. people. I like them. They're like, because sometimes bird people are like really like, like like light and whiskers that you now they fly everywhere but like they're like they're i don't know they look like big bird i don't know yeah they they look they, they look like something like a vulture like they got mass yes no that, they, sorry they don't actually look like vulture no they're colorful. like they're colorful but they, yeah they have mass it's not like yeah. this like super delicate kind of birdie creature but like yeah that it feels like like an ostrich that can actually fly so it's like yeah there i think they remind me actually of the loft wings from Skyward Sword from the first game oh. in the chronology. Yeah. So I like that connection. Yeah. And just yeah. the fact that um, in the crest as like you're wearing right now is that you can see the bird in there with the uh, with the wings as well as with the legs. So I think like birds have always been such a huge part of yeah. Zelda lore, which I think is super They really have, yeah. yeah. Um, I think also they have the... Um, I don't remember what they're called. And I also like blanking on the game. I think it was Twilight Princess's little bird people. Do you remember you have to go, or maybe it was in Twilight, like you have to go to the castle in the sky, and you have to do the whole yes. thing. Oh, yes, the that little, is Twilight Princess. Walk-on, yeah, walk-on yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the, yeah, these like mini, little, like, like 
oval-shaped, yeah. like, they have these, like, tiny little wings, and they have, like, weird heads. You have to keep saving that one yeah. the, from the bad things that are happening. Yeah, yeah. I remember going into the Met one time, and there was a statue from, like, Greco-Roman times that looked exactly like one of those bird creatures. And I was like, is this where they got it from? I don't know where it was. I, like, tried to look it up since then, Maybe. but wow. it was amazing. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, well, we're actually at 40 minutes. Uh, we've gone well over the 30-minute time period. Um, I do want to take, like, 10 minutes at the end like if we do have any extra questions or anything to ask Ocrity now is the time to make sure we do it um, we've been geeking out really good um, but yeah now <laughs> now it's time for any specific questions we get A's in geeking out yeah. oh we all get A's in geeking out <laughs> I got a lot of GXP um no, but um, uh, I guess the, I mean, we, I, I, I was really excited to bring you on because of all the social work and like, uh, mm-hmm. like, like your dance and movement therapy that you do. Mm. Um, it's from like design standpoint from video games. A part of what's so interesting is you are like, like the root of most games is you're helping people. Like that, that is how you get most of your experience points. Even in like games like Grand Theft Auto where you're being a criminal, it's like you have to help people for the most, like even if they're the bad people, you're helping people. <laughs> you're doing things for other people in mm. order to like advance yourself. Um, I guess my, it, this is coming back to what you mentioned about like you have to, like you you work through something until you like get past it so you can move on until you're mm-hmm. like stronger as a, I don't know, like I'm, I feel like I'm talking in circles because I'm, I, I just want to talk more about that really quickly. Yeah. The idea of video games kind of really are like a world coping mechanism that we just kind of, mm help you to get through the world get through life maybe like that's why people like it i mean i think that's why people i mean i look at it from like a fantasy perspective all fantasy right it's just it's escaping to a place that you are a different person than maybe life it's giving you right now or right. you have different you can choose the lemons or the fruit you want right instead yeah. of having mm. to deal with the f- lemons that life is giving you <laughs> i remember growing up um i loved reading i was a pretty nerdy kid and pretty awkward but i had my like alter persona her name was aqua and she was like cool and could do magic and i would put myself in all of the stories that i was reading i was Mm -hmm. and i think video games are a very literal way of being able to do that because you are in the story yeah and um i don't know i think um the mastery idea i think was when i was talking about i was like this is actually really relevant considering how I mean, even if you think about the world and how we keep playing out the same stupid, like, shit. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're so right. You um, are yeah, so stupid right. Stupid same cycles that we're trying to play out, whether it's war, whether whatever it is, we're just trying to get a mastery over it and our lifetimes. And I think video games, yeah, really represent yeah. that. Well, and Legend of Zelda also is just, like, with the Triforce, like, uh, it's... That in itself, it's like it is a symbol of like this is this is power, this is good in in this world. Mm. And I don't know, it's also like being a, like the hero of time, and like I don't know, like I feel like there is something so pure about when you distill everything that Legend of Zelda is. It just boils down to something that is so wonderfully pure in terms of like what you're doing in in this game's world. Definitely, and I think personally, like. I deal with so much complicated stuff at work in terms of the world being, and the world right now is super negative. It's super complex. I think I love kids games. I love kids shows. I love animated movies and such. And the reason is, I think, is there's a purity and there's a simplicity there, which when the world is super complex and hard to deal with, I think it's an easy way to find a, a, a little sanctuary that's saying, Okay, like this is good, this is bad. Nobody's gonna betray you both either direction, really. Mm-hmm. And it's really satisfying and nice to feel that way. And I think that's something that can go, you know, within video games. That's something I wish I do, I had was more escapism. Maybe that's why I watch so much television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, I 
found myself even silly, you know, grown woman on my couch last night and I had finished Troll Hunters. I love Troll Hunters. <laughs> and I cried. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, did you finish? I it? haven't, I finished, I haven't started part three, but I love part one and two. Part right. one, I did cry because, uh, right? Oh my gosh. It's a, it's a yeah. tear and it's, it's all about, you know, valor and in order to be the ultimate hero, you have to have fear. Like, you have to run on fear as a hero. And it's like, it, he takes it from that point of view, like Guillermo del Toro. And you're like, yeah. what? Yeah. And it's, you have to watch Troll Hunters. I'm going to, I don't, I don't want to like it. bitch it, it but there well, it is. No, no. I, I mean, it's great. I mean, honestly, just, just saying that you have to have fear. I mean, it's like courage mm. is not the lack of fear. As John Wayne very eloquently put it, <laughs> courage isn't not having fear. It's being scared and saddling up anyway. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. And I think one thing that's interesting about Legend of Zelda is that the Triforce has always been painted not as a like a biased like relic yeah. or artifact. It's one of those you have to have balance of wisdom, power, and courage to obtain it and to be able to be granted a wish. Mm-hmm. However, that wish can be for evil or for good. And so I think that also leads to interesting places of like you can use courage for evil or good. You can use wisdom yeah. for evil. You can use all of these qualities and um, like aspects of yourself attributes for either positive or negative. Uh, that actually talking about the um, like the value of these games and kind of uh, how it gives you agency and all of these uh, you know great concepts that we're banding about it, it makes me want to ask you from uh, from your learned perspective <laughs> if you had to boil down like the essence of the Legend of Zelda series in these games into like what is the one thing the greatest thing that it uh, imparts or gives to the player. Mm. I think, honestly, I think the opportunity to adventure, honestly, which is like kind of different from everything else we've been talking about. But I think personally, like the fact that you as an individual have to explore, have to expand your horizons, have to move forward in the world. If you look at the screen sharing when it originally, or not screen sharing, but screen, uh, screen scrolling, scrolling. That initial idea, you literally have to move to the edge of what you know so far and keep going. And I think that as a human, like that's one of the, like, you know, I mean, um, rest in peace, Anthony Bourdain, but that was one of his main things about travel, right? Like Mm -hmm. traveling and expanding your horizons and learning about new people is the quickest way to dispel a lot of the hatred, negativity that kind of like stays in you. Yeah. So if Link didn't like, um, even they were talking about the initiation, he did what no Kokiri um, Kokiri yeah. could do. He left the forest. You know, he went to a place that they were all scared of. You're gonna die. You're not gonna be okay. And he was able to move forward and explore and like find a new world that like created somebody. And I think those experiences, like I said earlier, were are what make Link Link. Right? They're mm-hmm. what make you as a player the like able to shape him into the hero of time he doesn't start off as the hero of time none of us start off as who we are and will be but Mm -hmm. through the experiences through the exploration through the adventure you get to become that way i love that like i didn't even think about like the with Hmm. the screen scrolling like yeah like if you're in a dungeon and you're about to like screen like sometimes you're like i have no idea what's over there but i need to do it to progress it yeah it's it's a great like it's a it's a micro barrier but it is like it's training you to like just go ahead and push through like you have to go no matter what. So. If you want it related to like parenting and attachment, 
theory, right? Then you have as a child, right? You have a secure base, which is your mom or your dad, mm-hmm. even caregiver. And you're, you have to push and you have to keep going and coming back because you come back for security. You go mm-hmm. keep forward and go forward. That's why like when you're up and moving and age two and like those are the terrible twos because they're constantly exploring. They can see the world around them. Mm-hmm. Even if you look at their movement development, right? You're seeing the yeah. world around you. But you always are coming from that secure base. And I think that's why Legend of Zelda, it's like pushing people to be okay not just staying in their comfort zone, but like going to someplace new. It's a dangerous business going out your door. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a great big yeah. world out there. Yes. Yeah, so Link, go find it. If you don't check your feet, there's no telling where you wander off to. Um, can I ask one question to Please. all three of you? Okay. I, I feel like I've been asking questions this whole time. No, but no, that's no, great. Um, besides the Triforce of Wisdom, mm-hmm. in your world of video games, what is your another favorite weapon of yours? Like, oh. does that make, you know, I, oh, yeah. like I think of Game yeah. of Thrones like ice, like, yeah. you know, mm. so. I think personally for me, I, um, another series that I have a very strong attachment to is Kingdom Hearts. Mm. Um, and uh, we're not even going to get into the lore. <laughs> we're we're right not going to get into Kingdom Hearts. We, we don't have several weeks we to, <laughs> to get into it. Uh-huh. Um, but the weapon that you wield in Kingdom Hearts is called a Keyblade. Um, and so it it has this dual purpose in that, of course, it's like you smack things with it, uh, like any good video game. <laughs> um, but really the purpose of this so-called weapon, it's more of a tool. It opens up worlds. Um, and so kind of mm, going into yeah. this idea oh, of so exploration cool. and yeah. that you have to use this this implement of battle sure uh, in in a different way and it it shows you i think that um that there are like many different uses uh and many different avenues to explore uh rather than just trying to hit something over the head until it it submits you know i i don't know just the idea of that being what you wield i i like that concept Mm. yeah that's That's really really good It's funny because I, I was kind of racking my brain, going like, what what other like what other like iconic weapon do, like do I come back to? And I I actually settled on Pokemon because oh, yeah. like yeah, yeah. technically your Pokemon are your weapons, but like you they are your companions. You can't you cannot wander out into the tall grass without one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get as you as you do explore, you meet more. You your friends become more powerful, and it's not like again, it's not like a I'm just gonna beat people down with my Pokemon. You have to nurture it. You can't overwork them. Like it's especially in the older games, you had to really make sure that like you were <laughs> taking care of them. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it was less about like uh we're, we're we're battling a lot more of like a survival kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. me and my my friend here, we're gonna go out into the world and fight. It's dangerous so. to go alone. Take yeah. this. Yes. Oh. So oh, that, leave your wow. horse behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's so funny mm-hmm. because in Pokemon, I never, like, you can release them into the wild to store up, you know, uh, storage space. But, like, I never did that. Wow. Yeah. I just never wanted to because yeah. they're, 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 my, they're my friends. They're your buddy. It's yeah. your buddy. Um, so. I want to cheat a little bit and say, like, a few different things or, like, combination. And sure. My, and I'm taking it to my day-to-day life here. Like, Pokemon's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Like, I would say from Zelda, I would do, like, a hookshot paraglider component, like, together. Oh. Can you imagine being able to just hookshot to the top of the building and be like, I'm going to paraglide home. So like, like, that would be so cool. So yeah. uh, Batman Arkham, uh, the Batman Arkham series, mm-hmm. you can literally do that. You can like that, grapple gun and yeah. then glide around. Same that. with yeah. Just Cause 3. It's yeah. like one of the best things mm-hmm. to do. You can just like grapple places <laughs> and fly. So uh, good, so um, good. But I think like I have um, a necklace of it that I got is the Lens of Truth. 
And I think personally, especially for my own work and stuff like that, like just the idea of like deception or trying to figure out what's going on in the world and trying to get some clarity, I think the lens of truth would be my handy that's weapon. That's so cool. Weapon or just object. Yeah. You that's know? great. Yeah. That's really good. Okay. What about you, Christine? Any like fantasy, like books, TV shows, movies that you, you like? Um, my ten and a half inch willow wand. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What's its it. core? Uh, it's actually a unicorn heartstring. Oh. Yeah. Mine, mine is unicorn too. Isn't that weird? Like mine's unicorn as well. Unicorn. Yeah. I think I'm a U would though. U would Y E W. Yeah. I don't oh, remember yeah, yeah. actually. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. She's she, and, and my red squirrel. Patronus. Patronus. My red squirrel Patronus. She's so tiny. I, I love her. Have, I have a dolphin Patronus. Oh, you're so, so cool. Are you sure? I feel like it's no, kind of basic. So cool. Like, it's like a dolphin. It's like what I liked when I was like 10. See, here's the thing. Like, they gave me a Newfoundland. And like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a, a big old dog. I don't. Like, I d- it's not that I care about the big. It's a big old doggy. But like, I'm totally a cat. And like, I was kind of like. Oh, true. Yeah. You are a cat. I don't know. I am a cat, so. Do you have any? Do you have a? Do you have, do you have your wand? Do you know your Patronus or your wand? Um, I know my wand. I don't know my Patronus. Uh, how do how do you figure out what your Patronus? Pottermore. Is? Pottermore. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I know my wand is you with phoenix feather core. Oh. Yeah. Um, wow. And yeah, very very bizarre wand. Um, but. Eh. I th- maybe it's accurate. <laughs> I I'm just a bizarre person. I don't know your house. I'm a Ravenclaw. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, yeah. I yes, was gonna yes, say Ravenclaw. Yes, but I, I think just there's something very interesting here in that uh, we've come back to this concept a couple of times in the podcast so far of what the uh, what the decision the agency of the player says about the player yeah. more than like yes. their interaction yeah. with the game yeah. and all of the weapons that we chose weapons you know <laughs> implements tools. Uh, and that you chose like a wand and a Patronus, you know, and that like you, it, it, I think it says kind of like what is important at our core in, mm. or important right. to us in our development at this time. And so yeah. like happiness and that you can't cast a Patronus without happiness. That's true. Pokemon, companionship, yeah. uh, partnership, yeah. uh, Keyblade, uh, being open unlocking secrets mm. unlocking it's a, it's, a t- it's a tool to doors. build as well as a weapon yeah. of destruction just like exactly. Mjolnir yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. um oh. and then the lens of truth Mm-mm. like you're you're trying to um <laughs> like unveil exactly uh, and I, I don't know. It, yeah. It, you're, you're making me think of bizarre <laughs> thoughts now. That is, that is exactly the point of this podcast, That's and I do actually point. have to wrap it up. Oh, We've okay. are, we, we don't have any more time for any more GXP, but it's been fucking awesome. Yes. Thank you so oh, much for coming on the show today, Ocrity. Of course. So we're going to really quickly all sign off. As always, I'm Peter the Geek. I am the soup man, Stephen Campbell. I'm Chrissy Hufflecookie. That's right, Chrissy Hufflecookie. <laughs> um, and again... Thank you so much. I'm Akrati Mahalthro. Of course. All right, guys. Go get your own GXP. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you liked Geek XP, help us out by becoming a contributor on our Patreon. We have bonus content, raffles, and more at patreon.com slash yourgeekxp. Geek XP is recorded live at Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Peter Hargarden. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FLU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Peter Hargarden, the senior producer of podcasts here, and on behalf of everyone who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FLU Studios Podcast Network. 
To connect with the geeks, follow us at Your Geek XP on Facebook and Twitter. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUstudios.com.